strange and unexplained. A critique of the mind, an exploration of the unknown, guided by curiosity, we creep through the shadows to uncover the mystery of the week. Radio. That'd yeah. be cool. There's nothing I want more out of this podcast than to feel like a pop star. Like Britney Spears? Yeah. I think that's what I want. Maybe. I'll get back to you. <laughs> I've been in quarantine too long <laughs> that now I want to be Britney I Spears. Be Britney. What? Leave Britney alone. <laughs> I'll leave you alone, Britney. I think I already changed my mind, but yeah, there's a certain kind of like. What about Christina? Christina and I can talk. Christina Aguilara. Well, I learned something about myself this week. What'd you learn? Well, so we kind of talked about this, but if you met a stranger on the street that mistaken you for someone else, would you break? And they were like excited to see you. Would you break the news to them that you're not that person? Or would you be someone who plays along? I would break the news to them. I don't know. I think you have me confused. I'm sorry. Really? Is what I would say. I've, I've had that happen before. Yeah. Yeah, I got cornered into it, and I found out <laughs> I'm someone who goes along with it. <laughs> she goes along with it. I felt so bad. I felt like they were so excited to see a long-lost friend, someone of their heyday past that they very much enjoyed, which I was also kind of flattered that I could be that person for them. I didn't want to tell them I wasn't, and they even told me to if I'm still in touch with, like, Leslie or something. Wasn't this a homeless person that thought you were someone else, yeah, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the more reason I felt bad breaking it to them. <laughs> I'm not going to break the news to you. I was like, you know what? You, you deserve this moment. I'm going to give this one to you. I am your old friend, and I will say hello to Leslie just for you. He kept telling me about all these fun haunts we used to go to together, and if I'm still in touch with, like, Leslie or Lisa or something, and Holly said, tell her I said hi. And Holly said, yeah. I, I asked her if she said, did you tell them, yeah, you just tell them hi? And you said, you told them that, yeah, you, were, told that them, you were the person. Yeah, and I told him I would tell them hi for them, and then I'm still in touch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh yeah he said it was really good seeing you again and i said yeah you too and we went separate ways and i think i made his day though hey as long as their day's made i mean yeah i would have felt more bad if i didn't go along with it and let him down that i'm not someone they were hoping they'd see i'm not who you think i am oh and okay. just walk away sorry <laughs> yeah and it's just a moment they have to say sorry about yeah no good on you yeah good on you it's not a sorry moment I mean, he, he was even giving me memories we had together. I was like, ooh, I sound like a, I sound like I was a lot of fun to hang out but with. The fact, but the fact that you were like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that. What was I saying? <laughs> they were so, I think they could have been a salesperson. They should really look into that field because their enthusiasm and they were so convinced that, like, I felt like I was in that place and I was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also probably pretty easily convinced about things maybe so maybe i learned two I things <laughs> i've learned three things about myself so far that i think i want to be a pop star maybe I'm still working like that Brittany, out christini like christina like Brittany christini Aguilary. that's gonna be my pop star name Brittany christini <laughs> hey Brittany christini <laughs> that too i play along and will be someone i'm not for you if it makes your day and three i'm easily convinced wow wow you know, when you have to live with yourself for a long time. You learned a lot about not yourself. Not going and doing shit. 
You learn a lot. I haven't learned shit about myself. Do we toast the mystery crew? Let's toast the mystery crew. Get over here, you're so far. You guys get that? You had to hear that. I hope it doesn't hurt your ears and we can keep that in. So good. We gave you guys a good clink. That was a fucking that was a movie clink. <laughs> I was so proud of that. I've never had a clink like that before. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited by the smallest things now. What are you drinking? Peach Maiden the Shade. Peach Maiden the Shade. But it's spelled like maiden, like rock and roll Iron Maiden, but it's act- it's like fun lettering. I don't know. And I can't even pronounce the brewery's name on it. Ninkasi. Ninkasai? Ninkasi Brewing. Ninkasai? Could be. Who knows about the pronunciation? I'm drinking... Lam- Is it Lombasco? Lambasco? Lombasco. I'm drinking Lambasco? Am I saying this right? I don't know. There probably is, you're probably not. There's probably a more like rounded out vowel way of saying it. Okay, well it's a it, Lombosco. It's a that's not it. <laughs> it's a big jug of cheap wine, and after this, I'll probably have a hot pocket. So God, that's I want where a hot I'm pocket at. too. Oh my God, that's such a good idea. I know. I want all the hot pockets. Well, 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 welcome back to another episode of Mystery of the Week. Hey guys, good to be back. Welcome back. <laughs> what, what up? up? What up? We're back in action. Yeah, I mean, another fucking, another weekend, guys. All right. We made it this far. We can keep going. We can keep going. You can keep going. We're we'll still, put this out for you. We're still here to get coped through quarantine with you. Get coped. And being in quarantine, as we all are, you watch a lot of movies. And I think watching movies, and now to the point of like rewatching old favorites or some others haven't seen old movies, John has inspired us to Just do this episode. I'm calling you out. Was he hasn't I seen one of the greats because this week we're covering Satan on the Silver Screen. <laughs> As we're calling it. Tongues whipping around. And by that we mean films who are claimed to be cursed. In this specific one, on this episode, The Spooktacular Exorcist from 1973. <laughs> Is that your Satan on the silver screen impression? Well, so there was the one scene in there where uh, oh, yeah. she came up and then like her tongue was like flapping the around. The priest is just like praying and it's just a side profile of her like licking the air. <laughs> so good. It's so fun. I love that. That tongue was fucking slapping like a whip. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, once I watched The Exorcist when I was about like 11 or 12, I feel like other horror movies just never lived up to my expectations from that point. I was so very into this movie. I loved it. You know, okay, so I never watched it until the other night. Tell them what you thought it was. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Tell them what you thought The Exorcist was when you wouldn't fully watch it. Pretty sure my exact quote was boring, stupid, and slow. And I looked at him and was like, <laughs> there were parts of the movie that came up. She's like saying, fuck me, fuck me. And like stabbing herself across. I'm like, uh, John, are you bored yet? <laughs> He's like, no, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it was really, it was really fucking good. I'm bringing John around to like older. The films. thing is, yeah, there's just something. There's a quality about an older film that to me just 
I don't, I don't know. I can't vibe it. I love it. And then, but the thing is, is like, I think now that I've come through and I've seen the, I've seen the actual genre progress. Now I can go back and look at the extras and be like, that was a fucking good movie. Yeah, the genre has kind of progressed poorly, to but shit. the original X to shit. Is like, so look at—I mean, I will hands down say probably one of my favorite horror movies is *The Strangers*. Oh yeah, that's such a good horror movie. Oh my, oh my god, we could list movies all day. Yeah, after my good friend and I watched this when we were like eleven or twelve, and after we watched it, we would play this game where like who can act more possessed, where we would lay in bed and like fleeing <laughs> and just yell and fleeing our bodies dead fish i guess (laughs) just like dead fish and just see like who could see more possessed and i had my friend so convinced she went and cried to my mom thinking i was legitimately possessed she's like holly's not right she ran out of my room crying to my mom i was pretty good pretty good or your friend was stupid as fuck i like to think i was a good actor (laughs) yeah i like i most would love that but if everybody was in on the game that you're pretending to be possessed and then you cry. That was the point of the game. It was like, who could be the most convincing? <laughs> I fucking but won. Then, but then she lost so hard. We never played that game again. <laughs> that was like the last lost, time we played the she game. She lost so hard that she cried. <laughs> I think she's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that about my friends. Do not say that about my friends. Not true. I was just very convincing very convincing (laughs) but that being said (laughs) (laughs) i've seen your acting skills possession possession has an impact on people it's and the exorcist film is very graphic it goes places i feel like a movie today would not with a kid no that is that is for sure there are some unaddressed things in that movie well, okay, first of all, I will say that they did have someone stand in for her, like an older adult for some of those scenes. So an I actual even... child wasn't doing them. Yeah, But yeah, that's yeah. the point. It's just this like raw evil, raw evil. But that being said, Exorcist has to be the quintessential film to get cursed, one of gruesome demonic possession. I also think just material alone would inspire stories of curses and meta itself to the film and production actually becoming cursed as it did. Yeah, there's a lot of, to to a curse in a movie, I will say this, I mean, a curse definitely drums up a large audience, you know? And I think there's things you can look at during release times whenever you started seeing ambulances. All right. Don't get too far ahead of yourself here. Let's dive into what made people believe so hard in the curse factor of this material. Because it probably doesn't help that the film's material is based on actual reported events. The film and the novel, which the film piggybacks on, The Exorcist, was based around the actual exorcism of a 14-year-old boy in 1949. A series of exorcisms were performed on this anonymous boy by Raymond J. Bishop after the boy had reportedly been introduced to a Ouija board by his aunt. And so this mystery boy, this mystery, <laughs> I love that he's a mystery boy. The mystery boy uh, had the had the code name Roland Doe or Robbie Manaheim, but which is like what made you choose what that Manaheim? As a yeah, name? why Manaheim? If there's something to that that I don't know, I'm curious because what a random thing to choose as a code name. <laughs> 
How about codename Robbie Manaheim? They're like, turns out it was his real He's name. He's like, I fucking hate <laughs> this kid at school named Robbie Manaheim, okay? This kid, this kid, Roland Doe, shithead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, he was an only child that some would chalk up that he was just a brat. Now. But a hardcore brat. I'm an only child, and as we discussed in the last one, I'm, I'm an, an only, only child. child. I'm no brat. I'll tell you that. Yeah, but this this kid, it was reported that he was very spoiled. You were spoiled. Anyway. <laughs> so the family of the boy reported strange noises, furniture moving on its own, and vases levitating when the boy was around. So they're like, it's him. That's the leading factor. Boy is a mystery boy is around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vase is leaning. I mean, Vaz is lifting. During one exorcism, the boy allegedly slipped out of one of the restraints, pulled a bed spring out of the mattress to use it as a weapon and slashing one of the priest's arms. Which if we're talking not possession and that he's just a brat, which I'm not, you know, it could be. What a fucking dick. What a piece of shit. And is and all of this just gets dismissed by his family because now there's actually priests there. I mean, I feel like you don't want to accept your kids that big of an asshole either, you know? Like There's that, that big of a piece of shit. Like, they're like, he's our only one. <laughs> I need it to not be him. So during another exorcism of the boy, the priest reported the words evil and hell appeared onto the boy's body. And all these events, plus so much more fucked up shit, will be familiar to the film we're about to discuss The Exorcist from 1973. So the legend of The Exorcist movie specifically becoming cursed was not only from background material and believing they had almost cursed themselves by even covering it, but at one point during production, all the sets had caught on fire overnight. This was this was really weird where all the sets caught on fire but and and every and everything essentially just burned down. Yeah, it was decimated. Everything for the whole production was ruined and set the whole production back except Reagan's room, which for anyone who has not seen the film you may want to pause and go watch in case we have spoilers. It's very good. Just pause this, put two hours into something else, and then come back and then finish this off. Yeah, I mean, what else are you doing? Come on. Nothing. Reagan is a little girl taken over by the demon and spends much of her possessed form confined to this room. It's a key set of the spookiness. And of course, you know, again, there was a delay in production after this. So it's almost like something's trying something, to stop yeah, them. Another force outside is trying to stop production. But also making a point because yeah. it's really strange that the, the set, the actual inside of a set is the inside of a house. So... We're talking about a room in the middle of a fucking house. Exactly. And like you can you can see how like it's all set up like throughout the movie because you can see her like at, at times like you can see them like standing outside the room into like a hallway. So they have it built up like it's an actual house. And, and everything. the hallways like all stairs. It's tiered. It's yeah. very strange. But um, yeah, it's quite elaborate. And just that room did not. And that damage. Wacky. And that's where. She is tied to the bed and she spends almost all of her time. That's where you see like the creepiest and the only place you really see the creepiest form of Reagan possessed. It's quintessential. Then things escalated and people involved in the movie's making start dying. So actors Jack McGowan, who played Burke Dinnings, who played Burke Dinnings in the movie, which 
is the drunk friend who leaves the party and dies in the film. What an odd character, anyway. And it's like, he's just there for a minute, but... Well, I think it's... There's this point in the movie... There's there's multiple points in the movie where I think you're supposed to believe that wherever this demon inhabits causes chaos or imbalance. Mm-hmm. Because when they're at the digging site at the beginning and the priest who was digging and found the, which we'll get to it, the demon's uh, amulet, he goes and sees the statue of the demon and suddenly like dogs are fighting and people are having things like break down and have trouble. Like it's kind of showing this montage of chaos, I think is the point mm-hmm. of that scene. Yeah. And so you're supposed to believe as the demon's being introduced that that I think they said that he left their house and fell down the stairs and then walk, tried to walk home and then died on the way home. So within the vicinity of where the demon was located at their home, chaos was ensuing. Yeah. And it was also just someone real close. So it gave like an emotional tie for the mother to feel like she's getting lost in this. Mm-hmm. And then also Vasiliki Malaros, who played Karas's mother, which is one of the priests' mother, is also a character who dies and has strong emotional tie to the other character. And again, it's like chaos ensues. It's yeah. very strange. Very ironic, if anything. That is that is the crazy thing. This, this, this movie that's based on a demon that's causing chaos actually has chaos going around like the whole set of the of the actual production of it yeah and And this all happened in post-production so it's almost still like signs are being sent to be like don't do this evil is watching you make something we don't want you to make so yeah again what leans toward the cursed territory is that in the film they died in real life they die before the movie comes out very strange then satan or whoever set this curse into motion started threatening the movie's making by affecting the family of those involved in the movie yeah that was that was really weird so there was a there was an actress actress ellen burns who played chris mcneil also said we were we were messing with some with some like really raw material and she said you just you just aren't supposed to mess with that she said and things started like going on this was this was really heavy stuff and she said it all started manifesting in in different ways so she said there were different deaths linda's grandfather died during the actual making of the film and the assistant cameraman's wife had a baby that died. Oh, the man who refrigerated the set, the janitor died. And she said, overall, there were about nine deaths during the course of the filming. Yeah. And then people even closer, like actually involved with its making was what was really strange too. Max von Sittos on his first day of shooting to play Father Marin, who helps perform the exorcist, his brother dies. Like first day. They just seem like warning shots. Yeah, from, yeah. From Satan, I guess. Uh Jason Miller, who plays Father Damien Carras, uh, was nearly killed during filming when someone hit him on his motorcycle. Like he was not at fault. And the actor Mercedes McCambridge, who played the voice of the demon Pazuzu was plagued by a horrific tragedy when her son murdered his wife and children before taking his own life oh my god so it's almost like oh you're not gonna listen if i affect you directly how about i branch this curse out into those that you love which again kind of like the film like pazuzu was this demon that had been you know buried away and still through all these years was strong enough to come back and affect this unwitting family which i have a couple questions on actually how did 
Reagan get possessed? I noticed that was never really addressed. I was fi- it I figured was she'd never be given addressed. like the amulet or something. Like she never came in contact. As far as I know, the priests never even brought anything back with them. No, the whole thing. So I was watching it. They had the they had the beginning of the movie where the priest was over there having a bad time, and then it cut to them inside. It was like you're supposed to assume that just the spirit being released somehow. Yeah, like you hear the scratching in their attic and then she's possessed. And then they do ask if they're religious and they say no. So is it the idea like if you're just vulnerable and don't believe, you don't have protection? But Well, there's the, I, I heard someone say, um, uh, we were we were watching something the, the other day and they were saying that if you if you don't have, there was a witch, there was a witch on, on TV that I was watching and he said, oh yeah, people who don't, who don't believe, we call those targets. <laughs> fucking okay, good shirt. one good that's a really unique name there we call Bob you the targets <laughs> because you have nothing to protect you now but so yeah rough stuff going on on set in production to say the least actors would also become injured on set reagan's back was hurt from shooting one of the possession scenes which mm-hmm. i like part of my competition oh my game she was times slamming a kid. around so they had this thing rigged up where it'd be on her back i'd assume and then it kind of like jolted her flailed the top half of her body up and down and it was something like a posturepedic but early version yes and invisible <laughs> <laughs> imagine if your posturepedic went wrong in the middle of the night imagine your posturepedic going wrong this could be your posturepedic is your posturepedic possessed? I Call a posturepedic priest. Because it sounds like I can get a serious back fracture. But yeah, that that device malfunctioned during filming, and it eventually got so violent it flung her out of the bed. And then Ellen Burstyn, who played Reagan's mother, was also injured when the possessed Reagan in the scene throws her across the room. The rig that pulled her for the effect yanked her so hard it hurt her back to where like it still affected her later in life yeah and the screams and the cries you hear from these actors in these scenes are the real scenes of them being hurt like it's not it's not acting it's so real oh my gosh it's so real she really looks hurt what disturbs me the most and what disturbs me the most and gets down with the sickness on this is these scenes are what they actually put into the final film Ray, you're gonna laugh at me for a second down with the sickness (laughs) yes i couldn't wait i am down with the sickness (laughs) down with the hurtness is what they got and then they felt sickness for a while those on set were so frightened and confused of the movie's set itself being possessed or cursed that they even had priests come and bless yeah, the sets. Yeah, I was just, just about to say they had they had priests come on the set and actually bless everything. And so they brought in actual Roman Catholic priests, the the Jesuit priests. And so they brought in the Jesuit priests and ta-da! They said most things had stopped after they, after they actually brought them in and they performed the, quote, exorcism, quote, blessing coat uncursing whatever you may call it but that certainly didn't stop weird things from happening from production on as we said there were deaths in both production and we will get to even stranger things that live on in the name very of the weird. exorcist film all right so now let's shift to a real life horror story for a bit here and hang on tight we're gonna hit some rough water <laughs> that, that was my sound for water <laughs> <laughs> It's very weak water, John. (laughs) (laughs) It's just wind. (laughs) 
water, wind, who's to say? All right, now we have to get serious. All right, I'm pissed. <laughs> Should be. Because <laughs> on September 14th, 1977, the body of a reporter, Addison Varell, was found dead in his apartment. Now, another reporter who wrote about this very awful event receives an anonymous phone call from someone who says... They killed Addison. See, and that's what's dumb about a fucking stupid fucking criminal is, okay, go ahead and tell the rest of it because there's a reason they got caught. But I think there's a reason they made this call. Because they're fucking idiots. Because they felt guilty, John. Oh, I feel guilty. Yeah, you can feel guilty not fucking being in prison for the rest of your life. John, stop giving murderers advice. Why do you always do this? If you need that advice, you're the dumbest fucking criminal ever. Ever. The only advice? Don't be a moidoer. Stop moidoing. Anyway, the caller proceeds to explain that he isn't a psychopath. The caller says he was an alcoholic, went home one night with Addison where they had sex and did drugs all night into the morning. So they hadn't slept. We smoked pot. He described it as an act of passion and that he hit Addison over the head with a pan, then stabbed him in the chest. Again, he said it was a crime of passion. Like, whatever that fucking means. He did it willy-nilly and then he felt real guilty about it. Holly, I just... I feel like the the phrase crime of passion should not even be a thing. <laughs> There's no passion in it. Go fuck yourself. I mean, it's too much passion. You feel so much... I wouldn't call it passion. Anger. Rage? Yes, blind rage. <laughs> Is it a crime of blind rage? No, it yes. wasn't a crime of passion, sir. It was a crime of selfish rage, actually. Though another interesting detail the unknown caller gave this reporter was that if he was caught, he would no longer be able to practice. And that's, that's the nail in the coffin here, folks. What a fucking idiot says, says all the key words that you don't fucking say when you're confessing to murder over the phone to the reporter who just put it in the paper. You know he has a notepad. All reporters have notepads an and pins in their ears. God, I can't express my frustration. I cannot. You're, you're frustrated that he didn't get away with it? Is that your frustration? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it. Yes. Wow, John. Because. Is that a. He's too stupid and he could have. And it could have been an unknown murder. And he could have just got away with it and died with it in his fucking grave. But instead, he's like, yeah, I can't practice if they find out. Oh, shit. Bye. Is that what? your is that your opinion that's of passion? My that's my impression of the confession. But that's also your opinion of passion. You're very passionate about this opinion. Yes. I, <laughs> it's an opinion of passion. Okay. And that's how you write a poem. <laughs> so as John said, this was his... Fucking idiotic move. Okay. <laughs> the police eventually traced this call to a man named Paul Bateson. And when they took him into custody, Paul confessed to the horrific crime and being the moidoa. I moid. I did it. And you're like, what the fuck does this have to do any with anything? So here's the thing about Paul Bateson. There's a point in the Exorcist movie where Reagan is taken to the hospital for brain scans because her mom is like, Doctor, help! My daughter is like climbing downstairs backwards and peeing on the carpet during my dinner parties. Seems like she shouldn't be doing that. I didn't do that when I was a little girl. Please take pictures of her brain. The fuck. Well, for this scene, the director William Friedkin shot it in the actual NYC radiology department, so the doctors and technicians in the movie are the actual doctors and technicians of 
of that department. Ooh, what's that mean? One of which technicians was Paul Bateson. A moiter, cold-blooded. He's seen in the final film during Reagan's exams. He's even giving her, I think the creepy thing that creeped me out is he's kind of the one that's like comforting her a little bit. He's like, just relax and we're just going to do this. Like he's the one that's kind of like, no big deal. Just we're here for you. Kind of. And I don't know. I just found that knowing that and then watching it again, disturbing. See, I wish I I knew I knew that I knew this fact going into it and I still didn't catch it. And I wish I would have. And I think the other thing that people thought was Paul Bateson wasn't known as a violent person that we know of. He wasn't convicted of any other crime. He'd never done this before. It's almost like something about being involved in the film put evil within him. And evil literally starred and made an appearance in the movie. If you want to believe that, I think this guy's mean piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, he might not be a piece of shit. Like Again, they say it's a crime he of passion. Should. It's a crime of passion. That doesn't make it not a Listen, piece of shit. <laughs> he was... He was wound up i think that's what a crime of passion is right is you're wound up it's called rage yeah yeah Yeah, you're wound up because you're so passionate i'm a little worried about how much you are kind of defending a moidoa and i'm gonna call him a moidoa every time i'm just (laughs) i'm just saying look at the facts so he probably didn't get a traffic ticket in a long time he's probably fine probably talked to his friends on a regular basis wasn't a psychopath just pushed to a brink pushed to an edge that he couldn't walk back from and somebody's life suffered from it crime and passion anyway (laughs) (laughs) so people truly believe that evil was baked into the celluloid of the film and projected onto the screen hence satan on the silver screen (laughs) come on come on that's satan in the rock and roll guitar y'all hear it so spoiler alert the exorcist movie regardless was released it was there and once released reports of people passing out and having seizures in the theater were frequent it was reported that at least a dozen people would faint during a single showing of the exorcist and this is where we roll into the territory of is it cursed or did the director pay a lot of people to say they did something or did he hire a bunch of actors in 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 california in los angeles now i know that sounds crazy but he probably hired a bunch of broke actors to fake a seizure in uh in a theater. You Does that sound fake? Does it sound fake, everybody? It's not fake. People fucking do it, and it's easy, and it's probably you paid him like like twelve bucks because it's nineteen seventy three, and you can do that. You know what you do, John? You could be totally right. You're making a very valid point. It's the way in which you say things that make you sound crazy. It's your opinions with passion <laughs> that make you sound like you're like making a conspiracy theory when it's just like a valid point. <laughs> you have a way of doing that. Thanks. And I respect it. Thank it's you. fun. <laughs> But yeah, certainly all of this made for good horror movie publicity. How could it not? It made for great publicity. I we I we saw uh I saw uh, a lady getting interviewed in the seventies after watching the exercise. Oh yeah, well I <laughs> <laughs> go on. She had a deep voice for a lady. Yeah, well, oh, well, yeah, I got about 30 minutes into that exorcist film and I, I fainted. No, yeah, I did. I f- Oh, see, I feel like I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Just talking about it because it's so spooky. And it's so spooky. 
Like, lady, you're kind of talking like you're slowly letting out toots as you're interviewing hey, spooky. <laughs> like, that was me. That was a ghost. Sorry. Ooh, did you hear I'm that? I've been having these weird sounds pop up all over me after I've been passing out from the Exorcist <laughs> movies films. Followed by a very strange smell I cannot explain. I don't know what I'm doing. What voice is this? <laughs> so- I don't Southern do character Bell. work. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Remember, Holly's a great actor, as we already discovered at the beginning I of this. I made my friend cry. <laughs> <laughs> she made her friend cry because she's such a great actress. So, you know that Southern Bell accent? Nail on the head. You should see me flop on a bed, possessed. Wow. You will cry. I, I think she'd really possess. Something wrong with her. She's not right. <laughs> she's not right. That girl's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so all this begs the question can evil incarnate a movie why did i say <laughs> I, I like it though because it sounds very like npr <laughs> i love it i like totally i got i got to talking about like character acting and i kind of <laughs> it's supposed to be read like very a question, NPR. but i genuinely read it as a question because i was confused by my writing can evil incarnate a movie I can't even say okay. it the way you uh, did. Like you said it like, like you were a reporter. I was saying it because I was like genuinely question. It was a genuine uh, question on my can part. it. <laughs> I don't even like like even when I genuinely question, I can't go off like that. Like okay. that like re- reporter voice. Let's see if I can do it again because I didn't finish my sentence. <laughs> so all this begs the question: Can evil incarnate a movie? It's set and those involved with its making. Does making this kind of content poke a sleeping bear so to speak or i would sleep, say it did or a sleepy obviously satan? obviously with the amount of fucking deaths that revolved around this yes i would say it definitely poked a sleeping bear well i think we should unpack the demon pazuzu whom the movie portrays and puking possessed reagan eerily confesses to being yes you may have seen throughout the movie the quick snapshots i think i only counted three throughout the whole movie but you saw the snaps of the demon's face Oh, yeah, the, like, washed face with yeah. the red around their eyes. Yeah, And they do this, they do it where, it, like, flashes full screen every once in a while, like, very quickly. But at one point, when the mom walks into the kitchen, like, she just gets home and the lights are flashing. Yeah. At one point, it pops up real tiny behind her, like, on the <gasps> really? stove. Really? I didn't even see you it. Didn't see it? Like, it, that was the one time it wasn't a full screen, at least, that I noticed. It was just a little, like, the face just, like, kind of pops in the back behind the mom. And it's pretty oh. Oh, I like, didn't it's effectively see it. Creepy. I wish I would have seen that. So Pazuzu of ancient Mesopotamian religion is the king of demons of wind. And he's also represented as the bearer of storms and drought. So a demon of natural destruction. Destruction that almost holds people hostage to him. And this lets you know there's many smaller demons that just control wind. Which I thought was fascinating. That there's such teensy little demons that control just very... <laughs> various constructs of the world yeah it's an intricate bureaucracy it's a bureaucracy of demon culture like it sounds like so much that's what hell is bureaucracy so we are first introduced to this demon at the opening of the movie when he is unleashed at the excavation site in mesopotamia where we are to assume he's been buried away since the ancient mediterranean and kept at bay there as we said before being unleashed on this unwitting family Mm -hmm. which i'm still just not a hundred percent of how it even became their problem i don't know it's like you and bury him and he'll just find someone i guess but ironically they're also in the same area 
but like in the same area the priest who dug up the amulet is also Did he like bring it back with them but no, they're not but they religious never, so they, they wouldn't never have gone cross to paths until he comes to do the exorcism so i'm not sure if you know let us know because that part yeah that me. that gets me so pazuzu is the brother of humbaba who humbaba is surnamed the terrible and they make a force of a couple not to fuck with because humbaba is a monstrous giant with the face of a lion gives a look of death his roar is a flood and has a breath of fire and he guards where the gods live yeah there's a there's a there's a forest where all the gods live and you know i was reading about uh Pazuzu and Pazuzu I can't remember what all all of his body makeup is oh we'll get to that but I did think it was really fun but I think there's a fun uh anatomy to uh Pazuzu that's really fun and in case you missed it in the movie because you do see it with the statue his features let us tell you oh man I missed my joke <laughs> see is the roar is a flood and the breath of fire they should hire Humbaba for a breath mint commercial <laughs> <laughs> And together, Pazuzu and Humbaba could really take on Hollywood. Because, <laughs> I mean, Pazuzu's already broke through. He's in a Hollywood movie. Oh, my you get Humbaba you on a TV. Commercial, yeah. <laughs> God, talk about <laughs> taking over television culture. Sick joke. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as I wrote that joke, I knew it was cheap and shitty. <laughs> but sometimes you gotta put a cheap and shitty That's joke good, out there. It's good though. It's good. It's so funny. <laughs> so yeah, let's get to the visual of Pazuzu's true form outside of a voice through a little girl here. Which, by the way, he is possessing a little girl. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Pazuzu is going to sound like a fucking Frankenstein monster in a second, but I just want to say Reagan portrayed as a possessed little girl fucking horrifying. Like the stuff of nightmares, nightmares for the longest time for me. Like Reagan possessed is horrific. And probably because Pazuzu as his true form is depicted in a combination of animal and human parts, and it's gnarly. We're about to go to Nar City. <laughs> That was a guitar. He has the body of a man, but a head of a lion, like his bub bub. Hey, bubby. <laughs> but also, sometimes they say a dog, so. He can flip flop. He does whatever he wants to. He's having fun. But he does have the talons of an eagle, two pairs of wings, because one set wouldn't be gnarly enough for Satan. Fast enough. But it doesn't stop there. He also wraps a scorpion tail, and in case you were wondering, has a snake penis. As mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I wonder so, if it has like, I wonder what kind of snake it is. They just say snake. I they don't say what a kind venomous of snake. I a king cobra. It's, you know, it's an intimidating snake. He's a demon. He's like, it's a fucking. He's a demon. Grass snake. It's a gardener snake. It's just a gardener snake. <laughs> it gets you though. Just a corn snake. <sighs> so yeah, he's a bit gaudy and has a lot going on with this Pazuzu fella here. I mean, snake dick. It's a lot. Snake dick. And you see this in the film, the giant statue of Pazuzu when the priest like at the opening goes up on that hill and looks across to him. There's a snake dick. Can't miss it. There's a snake dick. Snake dick. And it's large. And in charge. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, his dating profile would be intense. Like, can you fucking imagine? Oh, God. Loving, That's intimidating. Loving brother, king of demons, snake, snake dick. dick. Got a snake dick for the ladies. 
He also commonly takes the stance with his right hand up and left hand down, much like the Baphomet goat creature commonly seen on Mm -hmm. like the tarot deck cards and just how the devil's represented. And all of these details, like I said, are in the movie if you want to (laughs) see. Now, in ancient religion, the word demon also just meant spirit. So they could be good or evil depending on their intentions. They could be sent by the gods to punish for sins or to protect those praying to the gods for help. Pazuzu was an evil demon who brought floods, famine, and drought, but could also divert and help in protecting the very danger he could bring when invoked to do so. Yes. Religion is just fucked up that way. It's fucked up. (laughs) I mean, he's an evil demon, but he can also keep away other demons. So, I mean, while he does bring on misfortune, he can also keep you away from having maybe a worse misfortune in another way yeah if you ask just the way they want you to but that's also just what the film taps into religion is built on this horror another quote-unquote good deed serpent dick here is capable of is protecting pregnant women from a malicious demon goddess that preys on unborn and newly born babies Mm. which is kind of strange because in the film he's possessing a child yeah Yeah, but a child, a born child is just a vessel, but an unborn child is something, is a vessel that's unobtainable, you know? So, I mean, like, you can't do anything. I mean, really, like, you can't do anything for him unless you're, unless you're being, unless you're alive. So, I would imagine that he would try to make sure that you're alive to be able to, like, bring on sorrow or to be able to, like, gain you calling upon him. you're saying that he may protect you, but watch out, he could also come for you. Yeah. That does... But again, like, what the fuck, religion? (laughs) Like, you're this serpent dick demon (laughs) who will, like, protect newborns? And it's so weird because he has this lore and he's so, like, graphically horrifying, you know? But in ancient times, they said they would put, like, the little amulet at the beginning of the movie. The priest, like, carelessly, like, from this rock too you're watching that and you're just like what are you as a fucking archaeologist what are you doing that's not how you would handle a relic here let me just fucking pry this away from this rock all right this looks perfect this looks really cool What an asshole. So yeah, the amulet he thrusts out of a fucking rock with his fist. Uh, They would put that on babies or pregnant women, like around their neck as a necklace to protect them. Again, add that to the dating profile. (laughs) Baby protector. I will protect the baby to be able to use it later. What I think the exorcist film did so right was not only mainstream exorcism outside the Catholic Church, because before this movie came out, Even the movie portrays it as just, like, something we do not do. It's, you know, deep in the shadows of our religion. Yeah, we don't do that. Do not bring it up. Well, the thing was, too, is that... So, actually, this movie coming out had the the Pope actually saying that demonology the actual study of demons needs to be actually studied more through through the catholic religion. Oh, so, like, the Pope admitted, like, we can't hide this away. We need to figure out what we can do to defeat demons like through exorcism yeah like this like it i think okay a i think this movie was a good pr for the for catholicism oh yeah because the priests came out as the good guys the priests were the heroes in this whole movie you can't you can't save this young girl who has her who has her soul in torment because of because of a demon from hell without these priests coming in and so that gave a lot of pr and a lot of focus over to catholicism and so you had the Pope coming out going, oh, yeah, yeah, 
we need to study demonology, you know, and I think it was a lot of the PR for for the church too was was this was this movie. And I think I think that's the juxtaposition of all of this is that this was a movie about demons inhabiting a soul and then it brought a lot of focus to the Catholic Church as like a savior. Yeah, because it definitely it. was good versus evil. They sacrificed themselves and overcame their hardships through religion to save this girl. Exactly. And then you have this family who admitted not being religious, like hugging and kissing the priests at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely leans toward good, evil, the church is good. Which we've learned later on, mm. they're not. Turns out it didn't work out. Nope. They're uh, actually knowing what you know now about knowing what we know now about Catholicism. It's questionable, like the whole, the whole. Thing. But the movie The Exorcist also just modernized the concept in this ancient demon Pazuzu. The act of the Exorcist is that exchange between good and evil, as we said, and kind of a debate of trying to convince the demon to leave this little girl's body suit. Yeah, I mean, really, that's what that's what it was. It was a it was essentially a conversation with this demon. And and the demon said from the very beginning, like, this is this is going to bring you, you and I closer. Yeah, which in the end, the priest sacrificed himself and told the demon to possess him and i'd assume that you're supposed to know that like by killing himself and going out the window that demon took him back to hell with him is what i got out of it does it take him back to hell or or him sacrificing himself in the name of helping another does that then render his soul to being saved i don't think so i don't think so only because the demon fully possessed him i mean and the demon like knew it like the demon saw the future of it i mean obviously oh, he said this is gonna closer. bring us closer he's like i just got good vibes from this guy but also there's the modern reaction to go to the hospital first for answers to Reagan's possession. As a viewer, you know those actions are futile in these circumstances because the movie has already set in motion that Pazuzu has been unleashed and on to the present day and wormed or snaked, <laughs> snaked his way into the family's life and maybe, just maybe, even into ours by the making and viewing of this cursed film, The Exorcist. There were some things in the movie at, towards the end, I mean, that I said that I had some fucking questions on and I was saving it till we could talk about this. And I and it doesn't even have to do with the fact that there was an adult on the scene doing the scenes for Reagan. It was the fact that Reagan shoved a fucking cross into her crotch over and over and over again and said, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. And then fucking just mutilated her and then her wee woo. Her wee woo. And then at the end of the film, you just see her like walking out, like everything's cool. Her face is, all of a sudden has no cuts on it. She no, doesn't have. No, her face has scars at the end. Did it have scars yeah. at the end? Okay. But yeah, there's definitely like the physiological part of she turned her head fully around multiple times. She's going to have back problems. She's going to have back problems. She's going to be dead, eh? <laughs> um, and I mean, because there was one, there was the one turn of the head where all the way to the right, all the way to her left shoulder, 
she's dead yeah she did she's a dead. full 360 i mean like yeah even to get it give it a quarter of that weight dead and then she, again she stabbed her crotch over and over and oh, I know, over again I know. that's fucked up that's fucked up that girl is not walking out of there without she's not walking out of there and just think about like the mother-daughter relationship after going through all nothing that together i'd be so scared of my daughter i'd be so scared if it was real and actually i mean just to discuss too how much of the of this content pulled in audiences and how horrified they were at this i mean think about when this movie came out i feel like if this movie came out now and someone was stabbing their crotch with a cross a child was stabbing their crotch just anyone i mean that it'd be like a whatever thing to us i feel like now we're so conditioned and we're so we're so desensitized i feel like to the horror of so many things we're talking about like in the 70s in the early 70s this feels like such a bold choice for a movie it was a bold choice for a movie. i mean it still feels bold watching it but it feels like so much more so coming out of that time can you fucking imagine i mean that alone could be why people were passing out but the uh the actress linda blair who played reagan was stigmatized after this like people were sending her death threats she had to have bo- bodyguards she will not As talk a about child. it like she pretty much has fully left acting since then because people were convinced that she was legitimately like evil incarnate they thought she was satan and an evil person in one fantastic role your life's ruined yeah which you could chalk that up and say great you did really good acting as i would when i made my friend cry or very you... good acting holly's a great actress you've all heard the accents that come from the greatest actress around holly mm, it's not <laughs> i don't know if we have time for news this week i don't think we have time for news. i don't think we have time for news this week we have got re- this was a fun episode this was a blast i have always loved this movie it was one of my favorite horror movies probably one of the movies that got me to even love horror just like supernatural shit was this film see i and i never watched it until just this week i watched the exorcist so i mean i was a newbie i didn't even see it. i mean like i'm a horror guy but i just it's old movies there's something about old movies that just i'm indoctrinating you though i'm gonna keep pulling you in but you liked it yeah i i thought it was good there's just something about old movies that i am stigmatized to where i just believe they're uh slow and boring they go at a different pace but i also appreciate that about them i feel like it does a really good job of getting you invested into their journey you know it wasn't just like we're only here for the flashy yeah no it was exorcism, a very like possession stuff or like we're building you into like how this family and the those around them like the people who perform the exorcism are impacted yeah it was it was a very good film i mean like i was it was a very good film we are going to be doing a part two on satan on the silver screen with another movie but i think we should keep that keep like, it a secret keep it under wraps we'll just say it's another six 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 sick movie yeah <laughs> we did it look at us and until next week uh send us your input your thoughts oh we have a website now we have a website now how guys. did we not even mention that yet motwpodcast.com we don't even have to say all our socials and this whole list of all this other stuff it's all on there it's all on there you want to listen to a podcast you want to contact us you you want to know more about us as hosts holly and john motw podcast m-o-t 
TW podcast. That's M is in Mary, O is in Oscar. Oh, we're not doing that. We're not doing the phonetic alphabet. Okay. MOTW podcast, mystery to the week podcast.com. Yeah, go check it out. It was really fun to build a site. So let us know what you guys think. Until next time, Bigfoot bless you. Later days. Bye. Wash your hands. Wash your hands.